Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're... The Polter Gals. And I'm Debbie. And we're the Polter, Polter Gals. Gals. Um, welcome back to another true crime edition. Yeah. Um, we're getting true and we're getting crime in here. True crime. <laughs> Are we? Yeah. Oh. Are you excited? Yeah. Um, the fact that our original audio <laughs> um, go kapoof. So this is a redo episode. So I don't know if you guys remember or not, but in October for um, around spooky season, we actually did our first live show. Yeah. Allison, what was that like? I mean, it was nice. It was nice. With and the then four people that showed up and then the Pokemoners in the back. Yay, Pokemoners. And also, um, thanks. Shout out to Boo Bays. We love yeah. you guys. Shout out Caitlin and Josh. Yeah. Um, they got the boo and they got the bay and they got the polter and the gals. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is a redo episode because our original audio from our live show, um, as Allison put it, went, would you say kablooey? Kapoof. Kapoof. Um, so we are going to be covering. Uh, Amityville Horror House. Woo! Horror, Horror House. house. Nah. Um, not the other one. Not the, the other one. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. Although Boobays did already do their redo version yes. of this. So, so go check it out at yes. Boobays. Um, again, they're on everywhere. So where you're probably listening to this podcast, go and listen to their podcast. Yes. Um, they're fantastic again. And if you want to laugh um, and have some good commentary yes. on horror movies, or if you are horror fans, which I mean, you're coming to a true crime slash ghost podcast. So I assume you do. If, if you like our <laughs> stuff, then you would like their You'll stuff. You'll like their stuff. They're Basically, what we do just with movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's a little disappointing because, you know. We had a whole live show. Yeah, we had a whole live show. And it was is never to be seen to anyone in the internet. No. Until, until, guess what, Allison? We're doing a redo. We are? Yeah, we're doing another live show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like how I, <laughs> You're like, like, wait, am I? Are like, we? Wait, what? <laughs> Since when? Oh, yeah. Duh. Um, Allison, are you ready to tell, tell them about the live show we're going to be doing? So we're going to be doing one with Rocon 23. Rocon. Rocon. 21st. Yep, 21st. 21st at 10 a.m. at Nexus. Nexus Esports. So yes. if any of you guys are listening want to join us, that is right. It's Rocon. 23 yeah. at Nexus Esports, 600 Columbus Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be doing our live show at 10 a.m.? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. And for those of you that do want to come, I would say go ahead and get the... Get your tickets online. Get, get the tickets and then get the essentially three-day pass. Yeah, go ahead and get the three-day pass. So much more worth it'll it. It'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so the 20th through the 22nd. Mm-hmm. We're going to Comic-Con, baby. Yeah, and then... You'll, you'll get into your grand opening, our grand opening, mm-hmm. Saturday, our all-day events, and then Sunday where we do, I 
our big finale kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that's only 20 bucks a ticket. Yeah, it's $20 a ticket. Or, again, if you just want to come to our show on Saturday, it's only $10. Um, so get your tickets. Come to our live show. Um, we'll have sandwiches, and there will be beer and wine for sale, right? Yeah. Um, you'll be able to grab a drink. I know it's 10 a.m., but, hey, I'm not judging you. Um, um, as the good old <laughs> Alan Jackson once said, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Um, and then also... Um, then we can head over to Cultivate 712. We'll be having a vendor market as yeah. part of it. That's where Artist Alley is going to be. Um, so you'll be able to go see us at Poltergals. Then you'll be able to go over to Cultivate, do some artist markets. There will also be Texas Music Cafe, so you can throw in a concert in the middle of your day. Yeah. Um, and then even Startup, um, I believe Stay Classy is going to be hanging out with us too. Um, of course, One Day Bar is right around the corner. Um, so you guys are definitely not going to want to miss out on no. RogueCon 23. Scavenger Hunts, Waco Escape Rooms will also be joining in oh on my gosh, yay. a big kind of scavenger hunt. Of course, from starting at 10 a.m. with our show 10 until 10 p.m., mm-hmm. 10, uh, 10 p.m., 11 p.m.-ish yeah. Yeah. with Bustles and Bangers. Shout out Bustles and Bangers. Yeah. If you and like, Burlesque is yeah. Saturday night, too. And so we have Burlesque over at uh, Skellington. Casket and Cauldron, yeah. shout out. Um, I'll be performing again. Yeah, so so. Um, I actually brought my talent with me. With me. Do you want me to make you something, Allison? Yes. Um, so for those of you who are listening, please turn down your volume or take off your earbuds. Um, this is going to be terrible. This part is going to be a speakerphone only Spe- part. Yeah, yeah. Please. Do not do not put this in your ear holes. Just a warning. Um, <laughs> no. Anybody watching on YouTube, you're in for a treat. Um, so what I'll be doing for the burlesque Which, show. By the way, if you're not <laughs> watching on YouTube. You're not, you, you're not watching. What, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you what doing? What are you doing? Go to the <laughs> YouTube page and just, you know, hit the like subscribe and follow and then you can get this full enjoyment yes join us um but anyway so on the 21st 21st at 8 p.m um remember part of rocon um going over to the burlesque show um and just give me a second and you'll see what i do are you ready allison We're awkwardly here are you ready yeah okay me on the nose <laughs> Again, this is not for you ear hole listeners yes. with the earbuds. Please take off your earbuds. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. So what we do is we have a balloon here. What you're going to do is you're going to do a little twist right here. The same length as your hand. That's your head. You're going to fold it in half. You're going to do another twist. Now your puppy, guess what, has ears. You're going to go down his neck. You're going to fold it in half again. Right there. Then guess what? You have front legs. Now you have this weird wiener dog. What you're going to do again is you're going to take your back legs. And now you're going to fold your back legs, and you're going to twist them. Those back legs are too short. There you go. And guess what, guys? Now you have a balloon animal dog. So anybody that did not like those sounds, I'm sorry. Allison, here is your balloon dog. It's a puppy. He's a puppy for it you. Rough, rough. Um, and again, this is all in advertisement for Rokan 23. It's our polter puppy. <gasps> a polter pup. Um, but yeah, so this is our polter pup. Um, guys, come and see us. Come and see us January 21st, 10 a.m. Yeah. Are you ready to get into the episode now? Mm. Let me wake up. I know that was literally just a giant ad, so <laughs> thank you guys for staying with us. Let me uh, yeah, just wake up from this, uh, which is what this family did not do. Oof. <laughs> um, spoilers. <laughs> Um, but anyway, let's get into it. Amityville Horror House. Yeah, this is the horror. Uh, so many O's and R's in this one. 
But uh, of course, it is following the Defoe family. Mm-hmm. Which, if you have not seen any of these movies, then what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Although I will say, how w- how did you feel about the movie before we really get into? I I actually liked the movie. It, again, it's one of those that's like more of like a psychological th- thriller, yeah. so it's not for like blood and gore fans. Um, but I I thought it was good. I mean, especially for what was it the eighties? Yeah. So we did watch. I think it was. 1979 or something. 79 or th- I it think. Was some, it was the f- original one yeah. made in the 70s or 80s. Because it was funny. Like, the movie was made so close to the murder. Yes. So, it's, like, it, it's so sad, but it's, like, also, like, ooh, too soon, you know? Yeah, it was, I think what Caitlin was saying, it happened four years. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Because the, the actual event happened on 1974. Yes. Or in 1974. So, yeah, that would have made... Yeah, 1979, four, four or five years afterwards. Yeah, that's crazy. But, uh, so, of course, it's, it was one of those ones that you can see a lot of differences between this one and the one that was made in 2005 with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and, I mean, and everybody loves Jeremy yeah. Reynolds. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, you know, you could see the differences in this yeah. one. And this and one was, like, very much a story of its time, yes. you know? Like, you could tell. Like you, Yeah, the graphic, like, the... <laughs> the special the, effects, the, special the practical effects, effects everything the was. outfits. Like, honestly, though, her outfit's iconic. Iconic. Yes. The mom, it, hot. I it, love me some milfs. It does, it does... F- <laughs> anyway. Jesus. But it does fit this time period very much so... I think it ages pretty well. Yeah, it aged okay. And I mean, again, it's a classic. Like, Amityville yeah. is something most people have heard of, yeah. um, which is why we, we we did this episode for our live, sh- live show because, again, it's a, it's a tale as old as time. Yes, um, it definitely was. Yeah. And is. And is. And, again, it's, it's become, a, and, like, we talked about this in the live show, like, it's very much become more stigmatized and dramatized and Hollywoodized than original. And I'll kind of talk about that a little bit later um about the dad kind of maybe cash cowing in on the story um the dad not the dad that like murdered his family the the dad of the family that got moved out there i'm giving spoils yeah Um, anyway (laughs) i definitely definitely think just because i've seen both versions now Mm -hmm. and both versions they definitely the dad is pushed out super early on to be the super bad guy when it it took time yeah for him to build up but obviously for movie's sake they had to rush it yeah and it took like what a month yeah and it's and the way the movie is set up um it's like on a countdown so it kind of like pops up it's like day whatever and so it really does build that suspense and it is a it's a slow burn the movie's two hours (laughs) um it's still a lot it's still rushed even though it's yeah, long <laughs> and you can definitely feel it yeah. towards the end where it starts to get rushed because they start like a day by day thing yeah and then about halfway through it's like day seven yeah it like and then jumps. all of a sudden it jumps to like day 15 yeah and i mean again these people lived in their house for only a month so. yeah. <laughs> um as we're about to find out allison are you ready to get I into so. the history i think so now, so sorry again, all spoilers, but um, we just love also, this story. Also, and it's not spoilers. If you, again, if you haven't seen again, this movie, it's 2023 now. Like it's been time. You've had you've it, had it's been forty years, thirty years, forty it's years. Been twenty years since the 2005 <laughs> version with Ryan. Re- also that. So <laughs> let's 
children born in 2005 <laughs> are almost allowed to drink. Exactly. <laughs> so if you now guys have not gone to watch the movie, just yikes. go watch it. Um, yikes, they're actually 18. Yeah, it's a lot of terrifying this because my sister's in two, uh, 2005. Ooh, my sister's t- 2008. So, <laughs> um, anyway, Allison, so, let's get into it. Of course, this happened in 1974. Mm-hmm. With uh, with the Defoe family in mm-hmm. 1913. Wow. It followed the family of 23-year-old R- Ronald Defoe Jr., where he kick- killed... No, is that that's the son, right? Yeah, I think it was and the son. This is where the movie doesn't entirely line up because they do change some of the names. Yeah. Um, the names were a little different. Yeah. So it's the Defoe family. 23-year-old Ronald Defoe killed six of his relatives with a 35 caliber rifle while they slept. Parents Luis and Ronald Defoe Sr. with siblings 18-year-old Don, 13-year-old Allison, 12-year-old Mark, and 9-year-old John Matthew. That's so sad. And again, this is this is the the, the oldest son. Yes. Um, who's the one that murdered his entire family. Yes. Um, which is so sad. So... As we find out, he later claims that he was hearing voices in his head urging him to kill. And some believe to this day that he was indeed hearing evil spirits that that resided within the so-called Amityville Horror House that is on 112 Ocean Avenue. And again, we talked about this, like the address had to be changed because of how popular the location was. and we'll find out later a little bit more yeah. to what the address was changed to. Mm-hmm. But like you, you said, it's even to the even and with an address tra- yeah. change, people are still going to visit. It is. It's become a dark tourism yeah. spot, which, you know, we love. But <laughs> yeah, but it is an actual house yeah. still to this day. Yeah. So it is private property. But like most places like this, it's not going to prevent people yeah. from going. Yeah. So. With an abusive father and a passive mother, it's no wonder that this boy had a tr- like a troubled childhood. Yeah, that led him to substance abuse Oof. as an adult. He also lashed out as a f- uh, to his father. Wow! But once even threatened him with a gun. So it was building up. Yes, it was slowly building up. The parents hoped that letting him live at the home with and with a weekly. Uh, like allowance. Allowance. Yeah. He hoped that he would be able to do something because... He could barely hold a yeah, job. Yeah, he could barely hold a job. And so they hoped that having a weekly allowance, allowing him to stay would help him... Chill out. <laughs> chill, get on with life. Yeah. But then one day in question, the Defoe Jr. left work and went to a bar. He kept calling his home to no avail and complained to patrons about it. He then eventually left only re- to return at 6.30 a.m. when he yelled, saying, you gotta help me. I think my mother and father are shot. <gasps> Whoa. So he left the bar. He went to the bar complaining, left, came back in the morning, and then yelling. Mm, it sounds like he was trying to set up an alibi. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So when authorities found out, they saw that all six family members were dead in their beds, shot with a rifle, at around 3.15 a.m., and all positioned on their stomachs. That was the weird part about it. And yeah. also the fact that he said, I think my mother and father have been shot, but it, he even shot his 
little siblings. Like and, the children in the house. And again, it this is his siblings were 18, 13, 12, and 9. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. So to sit there and say, like, not even mention. Not even mention them. Yeah, yeah. that's suspicious. They, the authorities found that there was no sign of struggle, mm. nor had they ever been drugged. Mm. Local reports of gunshots were logged with only the Defoe dog barking away. No gunshots were reported. Oh, yeah. No gunshots were reported. Yeah, no one said that they heard the gunshots, which Nothing. I'm like, how can you shoot six people? People with not hearing With anything. no one hearing it. All, the they, all the people heard were the dog barking. Was the dog. He, Defoe Jr. was later... Uh, changed his alibi several times for claiming that he was at the bar during the time of the murders to mob hitman Lewis Phelan killing his family. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so he basically tried to just throw it on to some local mob. Mob guy that was mob like. guy <laughs> was there trying to said, oh, he was the one killing it while forcing Defoe Jr. to watch. That's not good. He eventually confessed that he gunned his own family down and stood trial on October 14th of 1975. Wow. So that following So he year, did get caught and yes. convicted. Yes. And it was, and what makes it worse is that he even confessed afterwards. Yeah. And again, like him trying to change his alibi yeah. about being in the bar, even though he literally left the bar and was trying to, uh, he's tried to set himself up an alibi, but then did not get hit, his story straight. That's how no. all criminals get caught. Yeah. Keep and your story straight. I I mean, I can understand saying, okay, I left this bar, but the fact that he went back to that same bar at 6 in the morning yelling that mm-hmm. his parents had died. Like, you could have, I, I don't know. Like, um, why, why, go, why go to the bar? Why not knew? go straight to the Allison, how did you know that criminals are stupid? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't know what gives it away other than the stray stupidity. Maybe them just being criminals. <laughs> Dude, like, just go to the authorities. If you're really trying to create an alibi, yeah. go straight to the authorities Yeah, and Any, say, yeah, no, oh, I was at the bar and well, I bad. went home and I found my family <laughs> dead, so I came straight here. Well, like, that's more of an alibi than going back to the bar I screaming, know. my family's dead or my parents have been killed. Like, yeah. Like, really? You would have saved your butt. And, yeah, you might have been at the police station, but at least you're at the police station. I don't know, man. Um, But anyway, he did confess to the murder of his entire family and stood trial on October 14th of 1975. So his attorney, after, while he's at trial, Mm -hmm. William Weber tried to enter an insanity plea. Which, again, he was like, I hear voices in this house. Spooky. Yes. And we'll talk about that more later in the hauntings. So the prosecution argued that Defoe Jr. was a mere drug addict who was well aware of what he was doing that night. He was convicted on six counts of second degree murder and sentenced to six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life. Wow. So there was absolutely no way that this guy was getting out. Yep. It wasn't until after the Lutz family moved into the house that same year, so just a few months after. Literally, like, in December. December of 1975. So he got convicted in October. Mm -hmm. The Lutz family moved in December. That's great. So four months after. Not even four. So when we're talking this is a fresh murder, this is a fresh murder. It was actually two months after 
he got convicted. Wow. This is when the hauntings of the house allegedly started to happen, mm-hmm. which is where we, the Lutz family, where we meet a them. lot of the movies pick up yeah, from. Yeah, the family from the picks Lutz up one. straight from the Lutzes. Yeah, so we don't get any of the back history, really, in any of them. Yeah. But it follows George and Kathy, mm-hmm. where they purchased their house, uh, which is a 4,000-square-foot house at 80000 Oof, wild. $80,000 for yeah. 4,000 square feet. And Good luck. Which I think the movies kind of got pretty accurate because yeah. it's they are genuinely surprised in both versions, and they're like, well, what's going on? Like, why not? Yeah, why is this place us? so cheap? <laughs> yeah, why is, it, why is this big, beautiful house so cheap? And also, I don't know if it says it, but also, like, the house was fully furnished. Like, yes. Because, obviously, the family inside was murdered. So, yeah. like, all of their stuff was basically still in the house. Like, these murdered people's stuff was and still in yeah, the house. Yeah, and even in the movie, which, when we did the research, it even showed that like the bed frames were still there. The, the mattresses frames, were gone that the ma- they yeah, were murdered they on, but the bed frames were still there. Yeah, it's like basically the couches, tables are like, well, if you buy the house, you keep all of it. Yeah. You keep what's inside. Yeah. And so they made a point of that as well. So yeah. we just want you guys to know for background. Yeah. So they moved out 28 days later after these said terrifying incidents allegedly forcing them to flee. So again, in the movie, it's yes. the countdown of those 28 days. So yes. like I said, less and less than a month that yeah. they live there. So, of course, like we said earlier, the house remains still a house. Mm-hmm. Although it has changed hands for a few, obviously, decades and by a few since uh, 19. 75 when the murders happened yeah four decades <laughs> but even after the house's address changed the public still fantasized and never let up mm-hmm. even to present the dutch colonial home is quite a property with five bedrooms and three and a half bathrooms and a boathouse on the canal off the long island sound that's crazy the house can command a high price and attract wealthy buyers. But also, knowing of the history in the house is important. It's like, do you really want to... And again, like, the son being like, I heard voices in the house. So then, like, remember, and, and, and again, we'll talk about this more in the haunting, but, like, was it already haunted at that point yes. in the 74? Or did this event cause the yeah. haunting? So we'll talk more about and we'll that. We'll talk more. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of theories that kind of follow that. Yeah. And one thing that I do is just speaking of the boathouse that Caitlin and Josh mentioned was the boathouse wasn't as heavily influenced on the 1979, whatever, that Mm -hmm. first movie, as it was in the the 2005 2005 Ryan Reynolds. So the boathouse really doesn't matter. And again, in our history and like in our actual research of the crime, it didn't really have anything to do with it. The boathouse was just kind of there. There. It was just a part of it. Yeah. I don't don't know why in 2005 they decided the boathouse needed to be more important. Yeah. But it really wasn't that important at all. Yeah. And in the 70s version of the movie, like they kind of make like this basement area under the stairs, which is a real room in the house. Um, Yes. It was called the green room, I think is what they called it I think it was like so. a closet that like used to be for like extra storage like inside a room um it's kind of what they used to use back in the day to like store yeah. extra stuff and, and so they kind of made that as like but then in the in the movie they made it like a basement wall which was like yes. the scary part and that's again where one and of again, the theories that, yeah. with the hauntings come in play that will debbie will talk, I'll talk about. about it yeah so 
But despite its appeal, after the Lutz family moved out, it went into foreclosure in 1977. And it was next owned by James and Barbara and the owners of Riverhead Raceway. Mm -hmm. They changed the Amityville Horror House from 112 to 108 Ocean Avenue. So there's the address yeah. change. And again, like 112 to 108. I, it, I like, it's, the house is itself very visible. Yeah, there's really nothing you could do to, phys- yeah. like, you would have like to the completely is, demolish the yeah. house for it to not be noticeable. Yeah. But, whatever. So they were hoping to stab off the stalkers and retain its fluctuating value, but still... You know, that didn't do anything. Yeah. And the address remains as 108. After an uneventful decade living within its walls, they sold it to Peter and Jenna O'Neill in 1987. Mm-hmm. And the O'Neill sold it in 1997 for 310000 Oof. to Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. And the most recent time that it was sold was in 2017, which doubled... Pretty much doubled the price to six hundred and five thousand. Wow! So whereas nowadays, th- the house because it is haunted is like, oh look, we're gonna double the price. I know, but wait, it gets even crazier. Yes. So as for the New Jersey home used for the nineteen seventy nine Amityville exterior, exterior shot. shot, so it was a different house than the actual, obviously where the murder actually happened. But I, I thought it was pretty cool that they used all the exterior shots. Mm-hmm. Like they used the And that's, home. like, a big part of the movie. Like, they're, like, like the movie literally just cuts to stills of the house all the time. It which did. I'm, like, okay, overkill. Yeah. Um, but, like, the, the main feature of the house is, like, the two windows that look like eyes to your soul. Um, so yeah. they, they like to cut to that a lot. Yeah. Again, just again and to make it more dramatic. Yeah, that. And then we'll also get more into that again yeah, in the hauntings. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. I know. <laughs> but th- it's hard not to because this is one of those like iconic kind of true crime murders that was fantasized into so many different movies. But it was put on the market in 2011 for $1.45 mm-hmm. 1. then dropped to $1.3 million. When Adelaide's Fregos put it, the 1920s structure on the market, she was immediately asked if it was haunted. Yep, immediately. She explained that ghosts had nothing to do with the cell and that she was merely divorcing her husband. When asked if she had seen the famous film, she explained she only saw parts of it, but that her children see it consistently. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're just going to keep watching yeah. this movie. Um, that Which is it's so kind funny. of funny, but it's also like, dude, you probably should have watched that. <laughs> I mean, like, and also, him. like, your children probably should not be watching a horror movie. Like, I don't know how they old the children shouldn't be watching that horror <laughs> that movie. The house they're house living in. <laughs> because it's I think that's double bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> like, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, despite the widely publicized 1974 killings, numerous families have since moved in and out of the house, now listed at 108. Meanwhile, the perpetually, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I stumbled on that word this time, <laughs> but the paranormal occurrence. Yeah, the paranormal occurrence that have happened here have spawned to slee of books and films like the movie of Amityville course. Horror, which have kept tours flocking to the house ever since. Wow. So, um, again, 
The murders happened in 1974. The conviction was in October of 1975. They moved into the house in December of 75. And that's yeah. what we're, um, that's the timeline we're mainly going to be focusing on. Yeah. Um, and again, the p- people have lived in the house. So, you know, we always talk about like, it's always people place time. Um, so with them moving into the house so recent after the murder, obviously yeah. there might be things that are more fresh and more hauntings and more apparitions. Um, and then whenever it comes to the people that have lived into it since they have felt a little something, but n- never to the extent of which, um, the Lutzes yeah. felt. And I definitely think that like we mentioned, people time place kind of thing, but We've also talked about as time goes on, and what you happens mentioned to this, the, yeah. is that like the energy starts to die down because yeah. it's not so concentrated on it anymore, mm-hmm. and people are starting to move on from what had actually happened. Yeah, and again, and it's all about energies and yeah. all that we put in and put out. So I think definitely since it was so fresh, everybody was talking about it. It was on everyone's mind especially the people in the town. It's kind of like here in Waco, the whole David Koresh thing. Yeah. And now that it's so far off, it's like, yeah, is it really a thing? It's like, yeah, it's, it's I mean, it is, but it's it's what it is. Yeah. It's there. So I definitely think that that had a big part to play in it. And now that, you know, it's obviously being sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars to even one point, whatever million dollars. Yeah. 1.45 1.45 million. Yeah. Um, and with that, it's time for a commercial break. Commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsors. Spooky. <laughs> Hi, this is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. Wine Wine and vinyl. vinyl. (laughs) So check us out on roguemedianetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. I'm Zach. And I'm Mike. And we have a fantastic new podcast to tell you about. Bros, Foes, and Heroes. It's the two of us looking into the world of comics, breaking down some characters that you may have never heard of, and some that are just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so Zach comes up with a character each time, and uh, I go into it just completely blind. I don't know who this person is or what their abilities are or anything, and and basically I guess we kind of go over their origin story. And just some of the ridiculous stuff that maybe, especially Golden Age stuff. Oh, Golden yeah. Age stuff is always the best. And we will make sure to 
highlight all of the shenanigans and just absolute weirdness yeah. of everything. Yeah, that's right. So subscribe today and uh, follow us on Instagram at Bros Bows Heroes. And if you don't, I know where you live. Not really, but please subscribe. <laughs> bros and bros and heroes gonna tell you about bros and bros and heroes gonna tell you about. One Star Rewind, a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com. Please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. show spooky <laughs> all right and we're back um allison it's time to get into the hauntings, the hauntings. um uh, so i know we already gave a lot of spoilers uh but you know we know a lot about a lot about this isn't um, this like one of those movies that they had us watch at Midway? No, they did not, not have us watch. And I don't. I really, it's not in my teachers did, but I don't know. I didn't do normal school, <laughs> as we've already talked because about. Because Debbie, it, she's I got too big good brain for us. No, she's um, too good for us. Anyway, well, um, so again, I'm gonna kind of pick up more. I, uh, you know, I just gave the rundown before commercial break on the timeline, and so we're picking up on George Lultz. He is the dad. Um, so again, this is the dad that like kind of is the one that's like started all the paranormal claims, um, right after, of course, um, the shooting. And this just kind of helps reinforce what we were talking about before yes. the commercial break, the whole people place thing. Yeah. So. And again, like George Lutz was already curious about paranormal activity. And, um, again, like there's a lot of speculation that like their family was not as well off. Um, which is why they were kind of like, oh, discount budget house at $80,000 deal. We'll take it. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing is like in the movie, they make him like the stepdad, like marrying this woman, trying to take care of her and her two kids yeah. and um, all this. But anyway, so George Lutz was curious about the paranormal activity um, and actively tried to summon spirits in the house. Um, so <laughs> again, not this greatest idea. Again, not the greatest idea. Um, and then again, he actually may have had a financial motivation to sell his story to the media due to the family's severe debt. So again, they were like, ooh, budget house, $80,000. Yeah. How, how can we get rich off of this? And again, it might not have been 
his intentions going into the house to make it something. Yeah. Um, but it might have been something that happened. Um, and you have to remember that they're figuring out what happened at the house. Yeah, they were not told ahead of time. No, no. one told them about the murder no, in the house. They had no idea. They had So when they bought the house, they did not they know. They literally just went in, bought the house, which I don't know. I would probably do a little I bit more research, but I don't know who doesn't ask about the history of the house. Like, yeah, I mean, my house had very little history, but <laughs> like, I don't. Why would you not ask? Yeah, why would you not ask? Especially if you would have, if they would have mm-hmm. asked, they would have known. Like, oh yeah, two months ago, mm-hmm. these murders happened. Yeah, um, and even uh, Defoe Junior's attorney, uh, Mr. Weber, has said that the hauntings were a hoax and that they literally made that up him and the the like they made it up to give defoe jr uh like a case so they're like they're like no all these hauntings are a hoax we just said he was crazy because we were trying to get him off and like we just told him to say that he heard voices um so like and again this is of course the lawyer saying the or the attorney being like nah it's a hoax um so who knows um, so again, going back to Jay Anson's 1977 book, um, the Amityville horror, which was based on the reports of the events that happened. Um, so again, timeline, murder 74, um, trial 75 moved in December 75 book comes out two years later, yeah. 1977. And then this book inspires the film in 1979. So again, it's kind of like, is it too soon to be talking about this? Is this, is it too soon? Like, I feel like it's a little like, that's, you know, six people died. Uh, Let's make, let's cash in on this cash cow, you know? I mean, it's very rushed. Very rushed. Um, And again, like the Jay Anson's book, again, like basically Weber's just trying to say like, we just made it up while we were drinking, you know, like this is not real. Um, Again, we were just trying to get him off, get him off. Um, So he didn't get in trouble. Um, but the book became a bestseller. Um, oh. So the book became the bestseller. The 1979 film, again, was remade in 2005. And the film just grew into a classic. And again, it's just a time of, it's just a, a you know, what, what do they yeah. say? Like a fixture of its time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all the little horror aficionados and horror people love it. Yeah. Because, again, it's just kind of like a, a testament of the events that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Hollywoodized. I mean, if you think about it, it, even to this day, mankind is still like this. If you look at a lot of these true crime kind of stuff, yeah, we all still flock to it. Yeah, it's and a train wreck you can't look away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, like we try to be as as respectful and like we don't want to minimize these people's trauma or like their family trauma or anything, but like it's become a part of pop culture in a way that yeah. we can't, we can't not talk about it. Um, which again, like, again, we try to be as respectful as possible, but also these are cases from like now the seventies, which was 40 years ago. So I don't think anybody that was as close to the event. Um, no, I mean, if you it look at still it come too, after us. The let's don't come after us. <laughs> I mean, even if you look at it, like obviously the Defoe family is no longer yeah. living. Yeah. And if it is, it's, Defoe Jr. and he's yeah. in prison. Yeah. Until well, he I dead. think he died. Yeah. And so then the only people that really have lived through the experience would be the Lutzes, and yeah. even then the parents. Because if he was twenty three in seventy four, he it's two thousand twenty three. Yeah. He would be like seventy years old now. Yeah. Um. And again, like 
the book was based after 45 hours of family's recorded interviews. So the guy that wrote the book, like, interviewed the Lutzes and was like, tell me everything that happened. Um, and he even interviewed all three of the Lutz children. So even the children, like, were talking about it. Um, Christopher Quarantino um, confirmed that the hauntings happened. However, he also said that the events were exaggerated by his stepfather, George Lutz. Um, so Christopher is one of the children of the Lutzes. Um, today, countless people still yearn, obviously, to get into the Amityville Horror House because, as we said, it's part of pop culture. It's a part of this horror, uh, like, it's just classic. Um, so people obviously still want to go. Um, and you know what they say, like, the home entities are not, not very shy to show themselves. Um, they make themselves known through sound, touch. They've even appeared to families and other things that have happened, um, as well as they've appeared to investigators. Um, so in 2005, when the Inside Edition was conducting an interview, um, a swarm of flies appeared in the home, which I don't know if you guys have seen the movie again. Uh, that's like a big deal in yeah. the movie is the flies, which are disgusting. And if y'all don't know, if you see, it's said that if you see a group of flies, mm -hmm. that it's meant that there is like a demonic or mm -hmm. evil spirit around. Yeah, because they're attracted to sulfur and stinky yeah. and mm -hmm. um demonic and evil entities yeah um so again like even these interviewers from inside edition are being like yeah there's this form of flies in here um and again anybody that knows anything like you're like mm, yeah. that's not good yeah. um so again it's like are there actually demons in this house um that might have been telling him to murder his entire family or are the demons him you know yeah. um yeah. i mean maybe he truly was crazy and just kind of yeah made it out to what it was yeah and could they have been the voices inside of his head or um did this again this incident cause the hauntings um despite the home actually being blessed by a priest before they moved in um so again that makes a point in the movie the priest comes over the lutz's family actually was on the receiving end of some pretty horrific paranormal occurrences um and george again is the one that is the one that talks about it the most um who's you know the the stepfather of the kids um he claimed that he would wake up every day at 3.15 each morning. Was it 3.15 or 2.15? It was 3.15. Because okay. I think in the movie, and again, in the movie, they make it a point to show the it's, the clock. And yeah. like he wakes up and he's like, <gasps> and like they start having weird nightmares. But anyway, uh, historically, he claimed he woke up at 3.15 each morning. Um, and that was the precise time that the murders happened. Yeah. So, which we said earlier. So it's kind of like, mm, that's a little, <laughs> that's scary. Um, and then Missy, the Lutz's daughter, actually began to communicate with an imaginary, um, imaginary friend, in quotation marks, or maybe yeah. demonic entity, um, who they named Jody. Um, and again, in the, in the movie and in the, in historical records, people don't know if it was actually their daughter that came up with Jody or if it was George that came up with yeah. Jody. So it's kind of like, it's uh, again, like one of those things where it's kind of been told both ways. And they also, this is one of those, like it has multiple theories. Yeah. One of them being, it could have been the daughter. Yeah. Uh, playing with her. Like one, play, of, like, like yeah, either the, one of the little, the other little girls. The Defoe's daughter yeah. playing with her. Another theory is that it was a demonic spirit playing um, with her portraying to be a trying little, to pretend to be a little yeah. girl to get inside of her head and yeah. maybe corrupt her just as you know defoe jr was yeah. corrupted um and then like even kathy herself like so kathy is the wife in this situation said that she claimed to levitate over her bed 
um, which I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't like that. Oh. Um, and she said that she would have like painful, uh, like pain in her chest. So, and she had painful welts all over her chest. And there, that showed up briefly. I think so, just for a little bit. Yeah. Um, which I'm like, bro, that's an allergic reaction, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess it could also be ghost caused. Uh, but anyway, she had welts on her chest. And then, of course, the children also reported levitating during their slumber. But also, like, the son has come out and been like, no, this was just our our stepfather dramatized, being dramatic. Um, but then also, you know, the kids are like, no, we were levitating above our bed. Um, so George and son Daniel reported an apparition of um, a pig-like creature staring at them from a window. So again, pigs related to demonic yeah. energies. Um, and it had red eyes piercing through the dark. And we did see this once. They showed Yeah, it they like the do a representation of it yeah. again. And, uh, and it's, it's really bad. <laughs> it's so horribly done. <laughs> I know. But like it's like not even scary on how No, it, it's literally <laughs> just like Again, it's a psychological yeah. thriller. It's not it's not good. <laughs> yeah, but and again, the in the nineteen seventy nine version they did it with the iconic windows. Mm-hmm. And that's where they put the pig mm-hmm. head and everything. And the flat, and it had like bright green or bright red eyes, yeah. you know. So the whole like, you know, spooky. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so then on January fourteenth of nineteen seventy six, the Lutz's family had enough and finally reached their breaking point. Um. So after twenty eight days, they moved out of the house. Um. They left the house and every single one of their possessions behind. So remember, the house was like already furnished or had a bunch of the stuff in it, but they just left everything. Um, following a night of terror, they refused to tell in detail. So yeah. here's the story of what happened on the 28th night yeah. before they left. And I think that this is the night that most of us no. are the like most curious about because... Like what really happened? Yeah. Like, in, in like no one leaves their house in the middle of the night. No. Even, and I mean, even if you are like building the story that, you know. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and yeah, just just... In the middle of the night at three fifteen, mm-hmm. like it's just not a thing. Yeah, but no one gets out of their house and, and just drives away and never li- looks back and never goes gets their h- stuff again. Yeah, for me, what makes uh, what makes me so curious is mm-hmm. that in the nineteen seventy nine version, they hop in the car, they start to drive away. The dad mm-hmm. hops out of the car, gets the dog, runs back. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. Then in the two thousand five version, they go off in the little speedboat yeah um which you know that's kind of funny (laughs) um but okay so um they fled their home leaving the evil entities behind watching from the windows as they drove their family to safety um so what happened this night or at least again in in like what is said to have happened is they woke up at 3 15 and it sounded like there was a marching band of footsteps in the living room um and this was and again they won't really describe it because it, it was like traumatic for them um but this has kind of been the retelling that people have kind of got out of them um but basically they've they heard um what they considered to be like a horde of people or a marching band in their living room so they hear all of these footsteps and George and his wife, Kathy, wake up and run downstairs like, who's in our house? Someone's breaking in. Um, and again, they'd already been dealing with all this other paranormal stuff yeah. for 27 days. So on the 28th day, um, they hear this marching band. They run downstairs. There's no one there. The only yeah. thing that they see is the edge of one of their carpet or one of their rugs was flipped up. So it looked like there had been people marching. And again, there was no one there, yeah. but the rug was disturbed. 
So it's kind of like, ooh, like, yeah. huh, huh, that's scary. Yeah. Um, and again, like, that's that's all the details we have because they don't like talking about it. Um, but, you know, to leave your house in the middle of the night is also just terrifying. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, explorations from Ed and Lorraine Warren. So we've talked about them before, you know, yes. um, famous, famous ghost hunters, famous, famous yeah. people like Ed and Lorraine, I think probably were already famous by now. But like this was one of their like investigations yeah. that really set yeah. them on the map. Um, so Ed and Lorraine Warren collaborate the lots of story and say like, yeah. Um, they stayed in the house for one night investigating and claimed that they would be able to, that, that they were able to make contact with all these entities. Um, and then Ed Warren even stated in a, the 2000 documentary, so there was a documentary also made, um, called Amityville, Horror or Hoax. Ooh, that's a good name for a title. Um, and basically all he said is, in quotation marks, this was no ordinary haunted house. On a scale of one to ten, this was a ten in quotation marks so and i mean for for again for ed warren to say that who is in quotation marks respected in the paranormal yeah. community it's like eh, yeah. okay i get it i trust and you if you don't know who these people are look get it a up life. <laughs> look it up uh annabelle, we talked about them before yeah annabelle the conjuring the conjuring movies, yeah <laughs> the nun uh-huh go watch any of those go watch I all those i promise you you will be scared out of your <laughs> um well yeah and again, like today, some people remain skeptical about the house. Yeah. Um, they say that it was just a publicity store on the a publicity stunt from the uh, from the Lutzes, um, and they said it was just George trying to rake in money from book deals and interviews. Um, but George Lutz says otherwise. Um, and again, in that snippet from the documentary Amityville Horror Hoax, George actually is in the in the documentary, and he states in quotation marks. I believe this has stayed alive for 25 years because it's true story. It doesn't mean that everything that has been said about it is true, but it's certainly not a hoax. It's real easy to call something a hoax. I wish it was, but it's not. And that was from George's own words. And again, in this 2005 documentary. So, or not 2005, sorry, uh, 2000 documentary. So again, um, 25 years after the incident, um, it's still fresh in his mind. Um, and again, like what he did, he, they were kind of in a financial situation. So yeah. it's almost like he was going to, who was going um, <laughs> to profit after this. Um, and then in 2013, in another documentary called My Amityville Horror, um, interviews with Daniel Lutz, who again is his son, um, said, um, basically like Daniel says, this is not something I asked for. I've been running away from it and it finally caught up to me. And he actually tells of the abuse that was suffered um, from his stepfather and, you know, even of satanic dabbling occurring in the walls of the home. So, again, like George was the one who was trying to summon the spirits in the house, you yeah. know, um, the yeah. kids did not ask for that. Um, it just happened to them. And just going from that note, though, it is said that that land was actually cursed yeah and it was native, native american native yeah american native american land. land and so obviously that's why you have to do land acknowledgements people yeah, and it said that they cursed the land from any quote-unquote white man mm -hmm. from ever being comfortable in that property yeah i think that's what it was so said. um now again how accurate that is how true that is we don't really know until again that was just one of those little side things that yeah. people people claim um and we don't know until you start to dig into history but yeah what we do know is that property that land was native american land yeah 
Um, and we've talked about that in the past. Yeah. So yeah, um, you don't have to be the dead horse. <laughs> literally um (laughs) anyway um so again back to daniel though what is interesting and um what is it like circular circular what what brings it all back home for this is like daniel did not have a good relationship with george Mm -hmm. um which mirrors what happened with defoe jr and his father so it's almost like it's like paralleling each other and maybe the horror itself is the parallels between the yeah. two families because um, again like defoe was abused his mom was absentee like in all yeah. and his younger siblings probably were not given the best life they could have um so you know uh, i mean of course that doesn't yeah. give you an excuse to murder your parents and murder your siblings um and i know that in some of the research yeah i said that it's maybe the house attracted the lutz family exactly into it because of of so the mo- similarities. So many similarities that they shared with the Defoe family. And that's why we say person, place, and time. Yeah. Um, and again, like, it could have just been causing this parallel that was, mm-hmm. again, bringing back these spirits, bringing yeah. back this demonic energy. Or even, again, as we keep saying, maybe it was the Defoe family feeling the Lutz's family and then feeding into that. Um, so it's just, it's, and again, it's just kind of interesting that it kind of paralleled in that way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Daniel now lives in Queens and he remains steadfast at saying that the house ruined his life. So it doesn't matter about the ghosts, but also from the abuse, but it ruined his life. So yeah. like his life was ruined because of what other people did. Um, and again, it might've been haunted, but he also continues to have nightmares regarding the house to this day. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of crazy. And I mean, you know, people are still skeptical and like, I get it, but both George and Kathy have actually taken polygraph tests as well. Um, and guess what? They passed. Oh, no. um, and you know us crime yeah. junkies out here, like, you know how we feel about polygraphs, like, eh, are they actually, They're, I they mean, could be B and they could be, it's, it's not a result. It's just like any other test. It's yeah. not 100% accurate, but. But just to know they passed, it's kind of like, hmm, maybe. It, it puts a little <laughs> bit of comfort. Puts a little bit of comfort yeah. in it. Um, as we mentioned earlier, um, the home sold again most recently in 2017. It might have been bought again recently, but I think 2017 is still the most recent. Um, t- and it was an undisclosed buyer, so they did not want to put their names in the papers, if you will. Um, and they actually got it for $200,000 below asking price. Which is insane. And again, this yeah. goes back it to- It was like just over like $600,000. Yeah. I that mean, was haunting so. <laughs> I mean, it's still kind of insane. And for yeah. a five-bedroom, three-and-a-half bath, you would expect it to be 800000 mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. If not- and again, it, in today's market, in today's, market, <laughs> in today's would, economy, it'd be like one point five million. Yeah, at probably. least in today's. And again, economy. it's in it's it's in Long Island, you know, yeah. like it's right off of like right off of this like to shore. Like there's literally yeah. a boat ramp. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, again, the address was changed, but the current owners actually are living in it, and they say there's no. There's no. It, yeah. They're saying it's dormant for now. Um, and you know what they say about dormant volcanoes? They can erupt at any time yeah um but uh, again they have not reported any paranormal things but it could also be like we've talked about in the past where they're like it's not haunted but just quirky things happen sometimes yeah <laughs> i mean that's like okay it might be one of those things that 
certain things are happening. They're passing yeah. it off, but it's the house trying to like say like, "Hey, hey, I'm still here. It's I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm st- yeah. But it, maybe it'll pick up if they sell it into and another again, dysfunctional. Like it just depends. <laughs> maybe the house is trying to find another dysfunctional <laughs> <No>. family <laughs> and. So put the dysfunctional family in the house and then fill, no. <laughs> yeah, and then lock them up. Then lock them in there. That's uh, what happens, right? <laughs> is that family therapy? Um. Anyway, Ooh, regardless. Wait. Who's going to win? <laughs> the house or the family? Regardless Talk of everything, um, there were six horrific murders that occurred here um, about 40 years ago, um, leaving behind a deep, dark stain that permeates the wall of the Amityville house. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that's just history. Um, and you know, a house is what you make it, right? Yeah. That's why we talk about haunted locations. <laughs> yeah. Officially haunted houses. Um, well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the true crime edition. Um, yeah. hauntingly true crime. I w- honestly, this was exciting and I'm glad that we were able to redo it. Mm-hmm. Despite like it, I wish we wouldn't have lost the audio because yeah. y'all would have gotten this a lot sooner, but it's still fun to be able to redo it. And yeah. then, for again, if y'all listen to this episode, be sure to go listen to Boo Bays. To mm-hmm. what Check they out their episode. To sh- yeah, shout out their episode. See what they have to say about it. They definitely went more into depth than mm-hmm. in the live show. Yeah. Because obviously. Because it was live, so we couldn't really. Yeah. <laughs> so we're trying to watch the movie and review it all yeah. at the same time. But they brought up a lot of good points in their episodes. Mm-hmm. And what they thought of it, I think they, I think they just went ahead and reviewed the 1979. Yeah, and I think like I think even at one point, Caitlin like pointed out like inconsistencies, yes. or like I think in the movie like a lamp broke or something, and she's like, if you look in this shot, you can see that the lamp was just glued back together and then used again. And I'm like, yeah. that's hilarious. Um, yeah. But they have a lot of great input, so just go check them out over at Boobays. Um, don't forget to follow us, like, subscribe, check us out on um, Instagram, YouTube, um, Facebook, and don't forget to join us for. Rogue-Con 23. Yeah. Rogue-Con 23, 10 a.m., 21st of January. Yeah. Join us, join us, join us. And yeah, because, you know, it'd be kind of fun to see you all there. Yeah. Hang out with you all. Get your tickets. Yeah. And again, it's only $10 if you want to just come for us, for the, see us for the day. And again, that does give you access to everything else going on. Yes. Um, but we're the most important. I'm just kidding. Um, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Or you could just get a full weekend ticket, which is for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's activities to have all of the fun. Yeah. Um, that is for $20. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. And um, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to The Polter Gals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast. <laughs> <laughs>